0: Welcome to the Daft Souls podcast, which this week has once again been attacked by ghosts this week in the robotic variety. So this is just a simple disclaimer. This week's episode has been put online for those of you who can put up with the terrible sound quality because they really want to listen to it. However, I will admit that many of you will listen to it and go, oh God, no, this is terrible. Ah! In which case, I can only apologise and hope that you do tune in again next week. Thank you very much for your patience, and again, please don't take the mick out of ghosts. Hello and welcome to the Daft Souls podcast. My name is Matt Lees and I am joined once again by Mr. Joe Screbles. Hello and Quentin Smith. Hello. How are you chaps doing today? Not I- too bad. I'm doing very well. You've got some fetching trousers today. They're bright oh. orange. Uh because I heard that like red is sort of middle class and looked down upon, but I figured bright orange is, is okay. It's like, it's like 90s rave is back. Yeah, the channel. <laughs> there you go. 90s like rave never died, but it did onwards Um, I'm going to talk about what I've been playing because I've been playing it five minutes ago and it's still fresh in my mind I've been playing um, FTL Advanced Edition sure and we did talk about this in the Ghostcast um, the the podcast formerly known as episode 2 but I've actually had some more time to play with it now and as I was chatting to you yesterday Quentin it's still like amazingly frustrating because of the fact that you you plough through the game and then you get to the end boss and then the end boss feels like a a different bollocks minigame that just kicks you in the <laughs> balls. No, it's a variety of, of just ball pummeling that game. The thing that made me... Over the last three days since the Edition came out, I've rage uninstalled it twice. Oh my god. It's a small game. Yeah, because I've, I've downloaded <laughs> it again twice. But no, one of the really frustrating things was um, one of the random events that comes up and uh, it is just...
1: Hey, there's something's been sighted on a planet. Do you want
0: to send a crewman down? And yeah. send a crewman down. And just I don't know what the odds are, but sometimes you lose a crewman, sometimes you gain a crewman. And that's such a huge swing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I yeah, I, I I rage raged on Twitter and uh just yell that it, it I find that frustrating too, because it's like I'm aware that basically, for those who don't know, it's kind of like kind of Star Trek simulator where uh, When it's at its strongest is when you're doing the actual ship combat because that's like the the mechanics and the systems that kind of, generally speaking, work quite well. But in between, you get these the nice colourful bits that I love of being like, oh, this has happened. What do you want to do? And you get multiple choices. However, usually the choice is as simple as intervene or I'm not touching that. Bye. (laughs) But the problem is, it doesn't never gives you any sense. Like some of them are like. Some of them are really bad, the outcomes if it goes badly. And it never really gives you any sense of how bad it's going to be, but I know that if you have specific criteria, like if you have a specific type of weapon, or a specific type of crew member, you get a third option that's like, ah, you can use this special advantage that you've currently got. So I kind of know that there's always an easy way to do it, but the problem is that you kind of, I want to know what the probabilities are before then, because some of them feel like you just go, oh, I'll give it a go, and it's like, your crew member is dead. You know? <laughs> really? It's it just like feels like that escalated quickly. It's unforgivable really. It's it's not a decision. It's not a decision you're making. It's all smoke and mirrors. It says, "Oh, do you want to do this or this?" and you don't know the odds. You don't know whether you're going to be rewarded or punished for it. And the fact that it's multiple playthroughs, if you even try and learn what the correct option is, the game goes, "Oh, it's different this time. Sorry. You've yeah. lost your pilot." It's appalling. It's rolling invisible dice, isn't it? It's, yeah, it is, and it's no. There's no often decision making in that process. And the, my least favorite thing, even about the ship combat, is that it is often good, and sometimes, if you are not spec'd for a particular fight, which obviously you had no chance of deciding, like what you're going to attack, it can just ruin you. The systems are really, really clumsy. And well, hard. and that's how I, one of the things I'm really happy about with. Uh, I've actually been playing the advanced edition. I like the advanced edition, but what I like more is the captain's edition which is a massive mod. I say massive, it's 50 meg, because, you know, (laughs) uh, it's that sort of game, but it really overhauls a ton of stuff, and it works with Advanced Edition. Because I love all new stuff with Advanced Edition, but it does need more tweaking. But I'm really impressed with it, just because it adds, like, tons of new stuff on the, kind of, combat side, and, like, new weapons, and new things you can do, but also just implements, like, loads of new things to the rest of the game. Even the simple thing, actually, now it gives you the opportunity to surrender at the start of the battle. So if you're like, if you fly into a sector and there's some pirates that are some baddies, as long as they're not the um, the rebels, and because obviously the rebels are like the, the bad men. <laughs> Or maybe you're the bad man, exactly. I like, I like the I like the fact that in FDL you're never really sure if you are a good guy or a bad guy. You just don't question it. You're if like, you're the ship going back
1: to get the Death Star.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've, got to, you've got to let me through. I need to go make a phone call. Hello? is that the Death Star? Yeah. Fire. Get <laughs> them all. Um, But it's nice that if you do end up flying into a sector and there's pirates or whatever and it's like, I don't want to fight, then you can just you can then surrender and you can choose what offer to give them. You can be like a weak offer, a good offer, or a really good offer. That is a perfect example of the kind of actual interesting choice that FTL yes. almost never ever gives you. And it's funny because they've clearly added loads more writing um, to the game as well because there's so many more scenarios and stuff already. And I've, pl- I've literally, and for those of you who've played FTL they have an idea of, of what this means, I've only really played it for about an hour and I've already seen loads of stuff that That's I haven't cool. seen. And it's like, I, you know usually an hour in FTL is nothing. It just freezes past. But even stuff like um, simple things, I love. Like now, when you you're about to destroy a slaver ship, it's made me rethink so much about how I used to play the game. And the fact it's like when you when you're about to destroy a slaver ship, the slavers will always go, "No, don't destroy me. Why don't you have one of these delicious slaves?" <laughs> I swear that was in the basic edition. No, it was. It was. It was yeah. Uh, but what I'm saying is that. The way they do it is they go, have one of my slaves. They're all going to die anyway. And so you just go, yes, free crew member. And it was always a good deal because you're like, I get a free crew member. I get a slave. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's <the> <laughs> but that's the thing. And that's why what I love in Captain's Edition is you have the option to either say, like, yes, all right, we'll take the slave and we'll drop him off at the next planet. Or, yeah, we'll have a slave. But then it has these moments where basically, I don't know if there are any long-term effects of it, but it has this moment where it basically pops up and it's like, uh, you are basically now engaging in slavery. <laughs> um, that's kind of against all sorts of space Geneva conventions.
1: I really like the idea that there's the mod is just morals. Like all it does is puts in what like okay dialogue boxes that says by the way you're being a gross
0: asshole. <laughs> like that's the, the worst, worst thing. That, the worst here. thing I've seen happen so far is crew vetoing your um, your decisions. That's fantastic, oh my god! This yeah, so if you do stuff that's bad, then your crew, it will kind of, it will say, do you want to proceed with this? And you'll do it, and then I've had times, I don't know if it can lead to worse than that, maybe you can lose the game, if you keep doing it and your crew keep going. But all I've seen is a crew just basically going, no, we're not doing this. And it's like, basically says in the text, like, oh this is mutiny, but there's nothing you can really do about it. Um, and, but then you can do all sorts of evil stuff as well, like you can now do it so when ships surrender, and this is another thing that, that sh- your crew can basically be like, ah, uh, no. Um, you can basically be like, I surrender, I surrender. Please, take all of my things. And you go, brilliant, brilliant. Destroy them. <laughs> 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 it's just like, oh, man, I had so much fun with that. I was just like, I it, it brought out my evil streak in a dangerous way. I well, it's like- funny, because when you're in the slug sectors and they do all the things of like, they ping you, oh, we need help. And you fly towards them and you click the button that says save them. And then, of course, they teleport a bomb onto your ship or something. If... That's the kind of organic system I would love to do myself yes. <laughs> or try and yeah. do. I mean, so much of FDL is just those set pieces, and then it all ties back to that very simple ship combat. So, yeah. yeah, a bit of flexibility sounds perfect. It's really, really nice. I mean, even some of the scenarios I've encountered because of the fact that it's no longer when you're going through sectors, it's, not longer, it's no longer like, this is where the slugs live. This is where the robot men live. They have really specific things, so it'd be like, at one point, I didn't go there, but it's like, oh, the Mantis Armada something. I'm just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to fly through a Mantis Armada. But then if you're feeling badass, you're like, I'm going to fly through a Mantis Armada. But there was one sector I went through, they've added loads of more environmental stuff, like this nanobots that eat away at your ship, um, there's acid clouds that burn away at your hull, um, and that's nasty because it's just this thing of like, I decided you get loads of scrap for going through them though, because you always find like, like loads of dead and dying ships, and, things. <laughs> and so it's this thing of being like watching your ship gradually degrade as you like keep going into the acid clouds. Being like, I should probably leave. <laughs> <laughs> but people have so much sweet treasure here, um, and even stuff like just there are space stations now. Like they've had- yeah, I heard which yeah. can't evade, but but are enormous weapon platforms. Yeah, and, and often unmanned. And there are like space stations that offer you things like, hey, you can repair here, and you can choose to be like. You can choose to like basically destroy them and, <laughs> if you want. Like, so but it gives you the opportunity to be like a complete bastard in a way which just was only really facilitated by the normal vanilla FTL by the ability to like switch off the oxygen and set people on fire. Yeah, it's so mercenary the the base game of FTL. You will do whatever it takes to survive. I mean, the slaving is a great example because you're you're looking at that game in terms of numbers. There is yeah. no morals to it. What? Give what, me a f- 1% higher chance, oh okay I'll do that. Well that's
1: the thing, the entire thing is is just you're yeah. looking at cross sections the whole time and that's how you play that game is in cross section, it's like what what will facilitate my yeah, design you're really for a, getting you a captain, so. you a middle manager. Yeah, you're like
0: you're an architect of evil, right. <laughs> it's kind of fun. Speaking of which, Prison Architect, uh, which I haven't actually played it but um, I was living a, a Last of my housemate who mm-hmm. live with it. That was an incredibly fun, horrific mm-hmm. exercise. Have either of you managed to play uh, Prison Architect? I saw them do a talk at uh, Eurogamer, I think, mm-hmm. but uh, and it sounded really interesting. But it's just not something I've ever. I think it's to get around more around, like, every time I've seen them talking about that game, they've always said, oh, "Don't play it yet." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is like I kind of have tried to take, take the word. In it. I'm so happy for those guys though, because wasn't the same people who made them? Um, is it introversion? Yeah, yeah it mm-hmm. is. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's just that. that that could have so easily been a horrible sob story <laughs> <laughs> because for years they were just making really really cool games and just not making any money at all and it broke my heart because I was just throwing all the money I could at everything they released but it's like, I was like no, no, no and then they've really hit it big with Prisoner. Well, well I, I hope just, so. I mean, I mean, it seems to be like really popular for a long time. It was like top of the Steam uh, charts mm. I, well I certainly hope they've got the money they need I mean it's always difficult with things like just, you yeah. know, because if you get yeah. so much of your money up front I mean that going. it may not be that they've made like mega mega money but they've definitely been making some money which and is the game, game is being developed than, which is yeah. awesome and uh, no it was it's funny because, yeah, I haven't played uh, So You're Being Hunter for the same re- reason of I'm going to wait until it's ready, yeah, which really means I'm waiting for uh, the lead dev, um, Jim Ross to officially declare it's hit 1.0, which is an entirely arbitrary number if you're adding something new every week. Oh, but, email it, yeah. Oh, well, he's just said oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> No, he just said on Twitter it's, it's coming now. I was going to say, yeah. So I'm yeah. excited. But uh, no, it's it was beautiful seeing Brendan play this early edition of Prison Architect all the same. But like... Are uh, just the most marvelous bugs because the game is so surreal and really bleak and Kafkaesque, anyway. That, like, he built a visitor room, and th- after, you know, how many in game weeks, he finally had a prisoner with a visitor. So the prisoner walks into the room, and the visitor walks into the room, and they both leave, and he looks away to build a new cell and goes back. And there's some kind of dirt-related bug because the room is just filthy. (laughs) Like, it looks like a hundred people have been living in there for a week. It's just (laughs) disgusting. He has to send cleaning crews in there after cleaning crew, scrubbing every inch of this room in this kind of,
1: what did they do in that
0: situation? Well, they are are entitled to 10 minutes alone. (laughs) They are. It's amazing, amazing what you can do in ten minutes. Sure, but I mean, if a sci-fi game is weird, that you yeah. know, it's it's fine. If a if something like say so you're being hunted is buggy, that's surreal. But when Prison Architect, a game that is really trying to model reality, it's like deadly premonition. You know, the closer a game tries to be serious, those bugs just tend to be even yeah more beautiful. It's the funny thing about because um, there are bugs in Captain's Mode, FTL, There are things where sometimes just things don't quite work as they should. But there's one that really I love because it's like an honesty system. Because basically they've added a new system, so you can it uh, takes up your augment slots for your ship. But you can, if you leave some of them free, you can buy cargo at trading count places. Yeah, I heard you can buy cargo, cargo it. and sell it. But then when you sell it, because they, there's no way for them to mod it, so they can remove things from your ship, it means that you sell it and then you get the money, and then you have to like delete it. You have to ship. basically then then manually go and sell it in the shop. So, and if you don't, then you can just abuse the system to keep selling it again and again. But it's like basically means huh. it's like it's like Oh, you've sold it, and there comes a little message being like, oh, you know, sell it now. But <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it sort of requires you in that in the way that like you know traditional kind of board card games requires you to have that degree of honesty. Yeah. It's like actually, I always find it really funny whenever I've, I've tried to introduce people to like who haven't played board games since they were kids. One of the questions that I often have a certain type of person asking me quite quickly is, well what happens if we cheat? And it's like, well, you don't get invited around again. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, there's, no, there's no systems we can put in play to stop you from cheating. Just don't. It's funny. I've, I've felt that gravity as well when I'm really into a board game and, you know, I'm holding a hand of cards or something. And opportunity comes up to cheat where I would be able to. And i tell you what, you can feel it tugging you. You have to sort of... Close off that path in your brain and go, no, 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 I'm being non-keeper. You feel it, the lizard part of you goes, jeez. <laughs> um, i tell you what, though, uh, Earthbound, the original uh SNES RPG, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, aka Mother 2. Yeah, yeah, um, which, if you haven't played it, is just a fascinating postmodern JRPG, postmodern despite the fact it came out in like 95. I know, right? It, I, I can't get over how. Modern, like, and no, it's it's absurd, and it's, it, it parodies <laughs> games and RPGs oh, so much. But it's it's modern, and you are going from town to town in some weird America, but not America. There's dark stuff in that game. Yeah, well. and aliens, and punks with robots, punks. With Those robots are my favorites. Being attacked by oak trees. <laughs> uh, the first enemy you fight in the game is a spiteful crow, <laughs> like who's wearing sunglasses for some reason. But the thing I remember in that is you get to one town in it and it is actually really um, heartwarming and the ending is the best ending of any JRPG ever. you still never finished it. You don't really need to but if, but you should look up the ending if, if you haven't and this goes as well to people at home because we were talking about how JRPGs have such terrible endings but look up the ending of Earthbound because it's so, it's so clever and brilliant and tear-jerking. But there was one village in Earthbound, bringing it back to the idea of honesty, where you find a—it's a rural town—and you find a basket, and you look at it. And it's full of eggs, and you need food because that's like potions in Final Fantasy. Mm. And it says uh, you can take an egg, and the little sign says it's an honesty system. Leave five dollars if you if you take a dozen eggs, and, and, and the game says, "Do you want to leave five dollars?" And there's no repercussions for that in the game, but just as like a hero, quote unquote, you and your party, like, we could just take all the fucking eggs. <laughs> and, uh, but no, you, you. whether or not you want to. You pay. I, actually, I, it's always better as well if nothing happens. Because yeah. it's like often in games now we've been conditioned to know that whenever. Yeah. We'll be punished for it. Yeah, like, karma exists. Like, you will always. In games, you will always be punished for doing something good. And you will always be. You know, you always probably get some sort of comeuppance, even yeah. if it's just another bloke who wants to fight you because you've done something bad. And I like, I mean, it was kind of gutting because I got killed really quickly afterwards in the FTL, but I went through a section on the Captain's Mode which was a plague sector. Really? And it was this thing oh, I've of... I've got to play this. And it was this thing of basically being like, Everywhere I was going, people being like, "You can't come through here. It's plague sector." And I'm like, "No, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna come through." I was like, all the time, thinking, "Why did I choose to
1: come through a plague sector? This seems like a bad idea." just, like... just like... It's like watching a car accident. Like yeah, these like... The guys are
0: going some crazy boils. Yeah, it's kind like it's like you see this, this these ships basically teleporting um, healing bombs down onto a planet. So they're basically like not allowing anyone to leave the planet, but they're just trying to keep them healed. But then like someone just teleports onto a ship and they're from the. Surface. And they're just like, oh, you got to get me out of here. And you're like, god. oh god. And then it ends up being like people stopping you and they wanna check your crew and one of your crew, they think, oh he's got the plague, and you're like, no, and you end up fighting them. Wow. Battles. And then you end up like having people being like, Yeah, you can join my crew and it's like even it says like, oh they they seem alright <laughs> But being like, What the fuck? Like are all of my crew gonna die because I've been letting plagues people on? But then there was another guy who was just like he was stuck on a space station. He was like, oh, can I join your crew? Like, know, I'm, I'm abandoned here. And he joins your crew and it just says, like, afterwards, it's just like, you hope this is a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that episode of Firefly. That's I know it. where that's going. She's going to take her top off. <laughs> and it's going to be <laughs> Christine Hendrick. And there'll be right. basically, at the end of the day, not really many negative, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um... My favourite. Oh, sorry. No, no. no you were going to say something. I was going to say you're something. I was really excited. I was, uh, excited as well. As well. was ready to bring movement. in.
1: I ready to bring in a whole new game to this conversation. Sure. That sort of helps around this conversation. Here have either of you played Out There, which oh. is an iOS? Uh, yes, 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 I have. Is it similar to the Out There, Out Here, brothers? No, it's not. Okay. But if it was, it would be funnier. Um, it's essentially... Well, it's sort of like Terry Gilliam's FTL. It's like... <laughs> That's it's, a very good It's sure, really it. strange. So it's... Um, I think it's a single French guy or maybe a couple of French dudes, and they've... It's... You're in a, you're in a ship travelling from one end of, like, this mad galaxy trying to get back to Earth, and it's just fucking miles away, and you <laughs> never make it because it's impossible. But the reason it's got the... The reason I thought of it is because you were talking about the sort of bleakness of prison architects, but it's got FTL's basic structure, which is you jump yeah. from system to system with random events, but it's entirely about the random events, and you sort of start, or I started to forgive it for how completely arbitrary those events were, because that's the whole message yeah. of the game, is that space is just... Awful and full of weird shit and aliens that hate you and won't give you the resources. Don't you need. do it.
0: Just don't do it. Yeah, I, exactly I like it. Come, just, like, kill yourself. Just, I like right. I didn't enjoy it that much, but what I did like is that the game says, you know, uh, you go down to a planet trying to drill fuel, and then it says, um, ah, oh, your fuel drill's broken. Yeah. Do you want to repair it? It'll cost you iron, and then you need. But I need iron. What if my engine breaks? Then I'm properly fucked. That's the thing. And the, but you're very much aware in a way that FTL does not tell you that the game is just gambling. Like yeah. out there is just. You're hedging your bets. You're trying to put your resources when you want. You're praying mostly. Whereas FTL has this underlying thing of it's a system. You can own it. Can well, help. that's the thing. It's
1: all it, it, FTL feels like it's giving you power and then taking it away without
0: asking. Yeah. Whereas out there is just like you're fucked. It's that space. The whole it's totally aim I don't know how long it, it will last. But the nice thing for me about capitalism on FTL is it's forced me to get out of that habit of just pressing keyboard buttons without really reading stuff. Yeah. Because there's so many new things happening and so many. They've changed the system so much in terms of the dialogue that now I found myself just being like, dum, 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 pressing buttons and then accidentally doing all sorts of crazy shit. Like, oh, <laughs> Whereas the problem is, yeah, your shimmy you has a naked man on it looking at you expectantly. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, you, you just sort of get... go like, oh, there's, there's a f- f- weird, weird horses on a plant. Yeah, fine. And uh, no, it's just like, but the problem is. You Weird <laughs> horses. Oh, yeah, no, that's, that's that, that happens a lot. A lot. So, well, I always imagine them to be like hostaches, from the pinata. Because <laughs> they describe them as being multicolored horse-like creatures, and I'm like, I just imagine these like. This massive herd of hostachios. Yeah, let's bring one pin it. What happens if you bring it on board? I've always thought it was a terrible idea. Oh, it's not that it bad. It's someone. another random generator that can be really bad, can be alright. Yeah. But the problem is it means you're completely right though being like you end up just being like, Yeah, yeah, no, 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 this one just goes you've lost a crew member. You're like, What? <laughs> but it's like it should at least do a second level thing, so it's like if it looks like it's gonna get bad then you have a second chance to be like, get out of there or like, you know that might still result in you dying but have a less bad chance of you dying it's you know? funny how a few games have kind of uh, all roguelikes have quite been able to master the sense of randomness of something like Hangband or like the really early roguelikes where you know you can be proceeding through a dungeon you'll be aware that your resources and your luck and your health are slipping away and you'll come across a, a temple or something and it's you know engraved with dark markings And it's a temple to an evil fucking god and the game says, do you want to pray here and it's that and that's that's a beautiful moment of decision making, of just like, how far can I wake up myself? This is gonna, be, you know, bite me in the ass. There's no way this goes well. Probably, and then you pray and maybe you die, but that's okay because the game gave you all the information you mm. needed to make that really stupid gamble. Because maybe it would work out. Yeah. I guess Dungeons of Dreadmoor is. I haven't played it that much, but I yeah, Dungeons of Dreadmoor is basically the same. but you can do stuff that is clearly like, oh, this is a good idea, probably not. A idea. <laughs> you can, like a lot of things in that aren't a good idea. It, it does sort of say. It's
1: just inverse roulette. It. It's like, there's one empty chamber, you might get it, see how it
0: goes. <laughs> it's like this stuff like Mysterious Green Liquid, it's like, yeah, don't drink that. <laughs> <laughs> like, unless you know what something is, don't drink it. Like If you've got a magical spell and you don't know what it is, maybe don't cast it. So you are up casting it like, at the point at which like, you're yeah. desperate. And it's yeah. really nice, so, like, I've had things where before I've, I've kept things. I've kept like a wand that has like a magical displacement in Dungeons of Redmore, and then when you're about to die you cast it and like through some miracle you end up in the outside of the map and it's fine but it's so dangerous because it can displace you anywhere which means it can so easily displace you into a wall <laughs> and just be like you're dead you're dead A great, an example of what FCL could do to give you more control over those systems is the classic Star Trek thing of I need more power It might not the ship captain, I don't care, I need more power and just a very simple way to push any system on the ship which might destroy you utterly. Yeah, like well, they've actually kind of done that in a nice way of being like, when you get to a sector with nothing in it, you can choose to do a variety of things if you've got the right equipment on your ship. So you can be like, let's try and make some fuel from like old fuel shells, or let's build some. You can spend some, um, some like scrap to make like loads of missiles. But then it's when you do that, there's a chance that it might accelerate the fleet because they're like, you're basically hanging about mm. doing something. But it means rather than desperately scouring the internet for fuel, you can be like, we need more fuel, Captain! Like, okay, <laughs> stop here, let's make some fuel. and It's pretty smart. But um, something else I was going to talk about last week, and a few people listening to the podcast got really frustrated, because I name-dropped it and then just stopped. <laughs> uh, but I've been playing loads of Monster Hunter, and I know both of you have played. Well, I know you have, because obviously in the Ghost Podcast, we... Uh, well, we, we all talked about we all Monster got- Hunter for a long time in Ghostcast, and yeah. then... Vicious. about Mary just didn't. Mary really, hates. I, th- I think Mary had trouble with the brachydias once, and, <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> yeah, Mary didn't really get upset about that. Uh, she stormed out. I haven't seen her since. But um, it was that. It was that
1: sort of uh, exorcism canache that we ate. That was that, that was really that really worked for <laughs> it us. Really hit
0: the spot. Anyway, we're ignoring Monster Hunter again. Oh least, my God! No, can you imagine that so, we just killed someone? They would have had an end. more? <laughs> <something. laughs> what, what should we talk about about Monster Hunter? Well, it's good, isn't it? It's fucking... it rules. But it's really like... it takes a long time to do anything. Yeah, if people uh, aren't aware and and don't know much about Monster Hunter and and hear the three of us say it's great and go off and buy it, you're gonna be disappointed for the first hour unless you know what you're getting into, which is a colossally... You're gonna be disappointed for like the first eight hours. In fact, you're gonna be disappointed permanently unless you also have a friend who's playing it. Hmm. Well, I don't know, you see. Well see now now because I feel like we've become like mirror images because I've been trying to play Dark Souls 2 like you were saying about being like it's not meant to prevent your own, summon loads of people to the boss and stuff, I've been doing that and it's been way too easy. Mm. Like and actually like I kind of got slang off when I remember my little Dark Souls diary, everyone's <laughs> going, You can't say the game's easy and then be like double summoning on all the bosses <laughs> and I'm like, Oh yeah, it's fair point. But actually I was trying to make a point of the fact that the main game, like not the bosses, just the bits in between aren't that difficult. Well, at the risk of getting further off topic of Monster Hunter, if you imagine if we fasten like a rental about about <laughs> <laughs> no, no, belt, <laughs> let's lash ourselves to Monster Hunter and walk yes. in the direction of Dark Souls 2, not forgetting Monster Hunter, and I will say that, now I've finished it, no spoilers, but what they've done is put a lot of effort into New Game Plus, and Insanely, I've heard that it's actually darker, as in the gamma is lower, as in you need to use torches more in New Game Plus. What? That's... All, also, the first thing you encounter in New Game Plus is a new enemy type that isn't in the base game. It's like an entirely new enemy type, which you do not see. Like, it's what Dark Souls 2 has done, and I realize this now, is it has traded the uh, Zach Gage, uh, shout out to you because I'm stealing your line. Um, it traded the holistic design of Dark Souls 1, where everything is connected and you have a really good experience in your first run through. For a game that is yeah. a lot smoother, you're going to find it easier to drift through the game, you're going to have less uh, really difficult pinch points. In fact, the one area I, have, I had a difficulty with, which is just after Castle Drang lake, has now been patched to be slightly easier. Uh, and now New Game Plus is the harder experience that people are looking for. So yeah, a much smoother game, which is not necessarily better, but, or worse, but it's not what people are looking for, necessarily. No. But I've been playing Monsanto on my own because A, I don't have many friends, B, I've got it on 3DS, I haven't got a Wii U. And as you can see, you gentlemen can actually see my desk at the moment. It's fairly full capacity at the moment with things. I don't really have room for another console in there, I can't squeeze one in. Um, so, I'm happy on the 3DS. I've kind of developed a, a way of playing it on 3DS without making my hands hurt and clawing up into the monsters, um, which is a, a skill I think. But I've been really happy playing it on my own. And I've hit some points where I've really struggled because I haven't had weapons that are good enough. And What's it the biggest can... thing you've killed so far? Well. <laughs> <laughs> well I say biggest. My dear. Um, His uh, name was Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I met him in a pub. <laughs> <So laughs> my bastards went down like a big sack of bricks. <laughs> what <laughs> are you wearing on your hat? Oh, uh, difficult question. Now, I've been... I actually am in the process of building some... making some new stuff. But at the moment, I think I've got a... Uh, it's like a baggy? I think I've got baggy. Baggy, mm, mm. Uh, baggy Keep trousers? <laughs> Keep you've, you've got No, you've got a baggy Baggy, head. baggy trousers. It's um, cool. so those, those have got the goggles. No. no, no, I'm thinking of Roggies. Jesus Christ. No. There's so many geese. I've, I've been, been killing happened. Roggies. I think Roggies are the ice ones, right? Roggies. Yes. Or the poison. No, no baggies, baggies are the ice ones. Roggies are the poison. Oh, ones. So okay. I've been doing Roggies then. Anyway, <laughs> what's the best <laughs> thing you've killed? Uh. I, the, the biggest thing I've killed is probably that big underwater thing. Um, yeah, no, I haven't killed him yet. I've just, okay, right. I've just got the quest to kill him. Okay, so mm-hmm. what you're approaching right now is the is the pinch point whereby Monster Hunter is going to start expecting you to play both modes at once. The thing about it is you're going to get materials from single player. You're going to get materials from multiplayer. What are they you can't get in single no, player? No, you can, but you're going to have to do the same missions over and over. Well, that's again the thing I've been finding player. is it's like I've I've been kind of basically having to do missions over and over again and i got to a really annoying point where i had tons of skins i've been like skinning so many monsters it was ridiculous i was just a murderous beast really skinning, and then it being like yeah you need um you need three killer beetles and i'm like i've got any of them and then realized like, the only way to get them was just to keep going into the area and it's just like there's something a bit demeaning about that it's like i'm supposed to be a monster hunter and i have just spent two hours Going around through bushes trying to find bloody leggy birds. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's... But you are a hunter, that's what I that's I mean, what's I... so nice about Monster Hunter is it, it does expect you to go through the rigmarole of preparing and just being like savvy enough and dedicated enough. It's like it's no, true. fuck you if you just wanna fight the beast. <laughs> you
0: have to like sharpen your sword and get all the see, right I shit. love all that's that, that's great. I right? love all that stuff. And I felt like I really stepped up a, a notch in the game when I got my full Rocky armor or whatever, which basically meant that I'd gone from having one stat, like one ability, oh one boost, skill, yeah, to having like six skills all of a sudden, and being like really good at sharpening shit and really good at like all of a sudden and I'm like ah, I'm killing things left, right, and centre, mainly centre. <laughs> <laughs> killing stuff on the left and right does happen if you've got one of those big swords and you're just swinging it accidentally. And you I go for the swim uh, blades. Oh god, really? Go but it's funny because I I found myself just just typing where do I get this? Yeah, that happens oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot. And I found it amusing that it's like I wasn't alone with my killer beetle problem, and the fact that somebody had tried to start a, a petition to make it so that you could produce killer beetles in the farm. And may I say, I agree. It's not fair that I should spend. I don't know. It's one of those games. I'm enjoying it, but it's one of those games where I find myself. I found myself up till half one in the morning, and it was like. I don't know. I mean, sometimes I do that a lot with games, and I was like, I was up till like half one, two in the morning that's night. Like, oh, what were you doing? I was playing this game, and at least I have something to say for it, like. Oh, kill this fucking dragon. Yeah, it's amazing. I was looking for the dark. Yes, yeah, like, I was brand. looking <laughs> I like literally I was like, I was just there repeatedly playing this mission to collect Beatles. Okay, so yes, 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 that does happen rarely, but the thing you're gonna be encountering more and more in the future is essentially <clears throat> you go it's designed such that you go to a friend's house, you play through some multiplayer missions, and you don't obviously need a Wii U, you have a couple of three dss you can play the multiplayer, I think. Yes, uh, yeah. you have to be local. Yes, you do have to be local. So you do have to, but you wouldn't want anything else. You'd want to be sat in the same room going, Oh my God, look out for the thing! And screaming and shouting, That's when Monster Hunter comes alive. But then you're going to go to your friend's house, you'll play for like four hours. You'll come back home and you'll go, Oh, I'll play some single player now. But all the items your character got in multiplayer is catapulted up the single player. So you play single player for a bit and then you go into multiplayer and all the items you got in single player catapult you up the multiplayer and then you have to play it in tandem. You can't ignore either part of it. Unless otherwise, otherwise, you're just gonna do so much grinding if you just play Mouth of Louders a single player. Yeah, I think that's the thing is, it's basically lots one way, it's just like, oh, I've got to get one of them. you got to get a friend. I've got to get, get you another, really need. another tale of a royal Ludroth. Those yeah. guys are fucking assholes. They, they really like really to move about.
1: They that's do. The those guys. <laughs> they do. I just like, I just yeah. look at them you know, and, is, and it's sort of, they like do that
0: thing yeah. where they like splash and spit. And you just sort of think, like, oh, I feel like I'm like this toddler. I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna wait till you come. You down. do. You grow to hate some animals more than that game. Like, and it's funny. What, what I, I liked is you do fight the monsters long enough that you develop, and not to sound really wanky, but you develop that sort of hunter's oneness with a thing. <laughs> whereby I, by the end of it, I killed so many Rathians and Rathalos and uh, pink Rathians and all the other variants. That I could not fight them with my eyes closed, but I could totally go on autopilot. Like, and I think that's why a lot of people over the years have been like, "You have to play, you have to play, you have to play." And I think it's for the same reason that they know that I love Fantasy Star Online, which was the same thing of being like ridiculously repetitive and strangely obtuse, but then actually there's like a real comfort in that. So mm-hmm. you kind of break through the barrier of repetition, and it's like just having a, a constant pipe of sausage and mash well right weren't you here? telling me that there's an actual psychological thing where if you expose a human to something for long enough they'd start liking it like Stockholm yeah. Syndrome but for activity I think, it, I, think I think the I might be wrong but I think it's called mere exposure which doesn't sound like the name of a kind of. A <laughs> it sounds like oh, yeah, it's just mere exposure, but <laughs> I, I think it is actually that's actually the official psychological term for it. Is it like M E E R or? M-E-R? No, no, no. Know. It's not like a meerkat. Okay. Or like space station mirror. That'd no. be cool if they found out from meerkats. <laughs> uh, but you yeah, know, it's, it's a thing that like you. They found there's Loads of scientific like the, the psychological tests, which are scientific tests, and basically being like. Actually, people don't always believe that. but uh, <laughs> um, And they found that, yeah, basically, it was like if you're exposed to something repeatedly, you like it more. And people like, always feel like it's been some sort of like, like I was saying to you the other day, like, people always feel like, oh, yeah, I really didn't like that guy at first, but you know I've, I've taken the shine to him now. They always feel like it's some sort of, because as humans, we're really good at convincing ourselves that we're, not, we're something more than animals or machines. That we're intuiting something yeah. a bit deeper. So <laughs> we'll like, like, attribute that change to something else. Like, you know, I really didn't like him. But then there was that night, and I kind of realised actually through because of this that actually he's alright. When it's like, eh, eh. (laughs) you've spent sufficient time in his company that your brain has decided like him, and that's why when I get people saying, "Oh yeah, do you like?" I remember I can't what Radiohead album it was. I think it was the one after *In Rainbows* that was just to be *King of Limbs*. *King of Limbs*. Have people say to me? I didn't like it at first, but after about six or seven listens, it's like no, no. <laughs> like if you don't like something until you've been exposed to it six or seven times, it's not probably not good, or well not good, but you you don't like it. You only like it because you've exposed yourself to it. So taking that into consideration, my argument as to why Monster Hunter is not that alcoholic friend who hangs around and who <laughs> like you know pisses himself twice a month. Um, the reason why is that I have played it for God. I've Hundred fifty hours, two hundred hours, or something. This Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate on the Wii U, and it has given me experiences in return that are like that are unparalleled in my entire gaming career. Like some, a really specific memory of like playing with Keza Kaza McDonald. Now the um the head of Kotaku UK also Dark Souls uh, podcast at some point. At some point. Yeah, let so we will. find her, and we'll talk about Monster Hunter and share our experiences, and that would be beautiful. But um, killing a big monster in like the last minute of the timer and both screaming at our consoles, or just the time I fought a bear with a lance. (laughs) And that was actually just magnificent. Like, oh, I remember why it was good. Because I'd never fought with a lance. Why why wouldn't it be good? Well, it was especially memorable in Monsanto terms because this is one of the beautiful things it does. Um, I went into the mission, I've got my big fiery lance, and the lance in Monster Hunter is a hilarious weapon to use. Cause I've used it quite a lot, actually. Yeah, not the gun lance, but the lance. Yeah. I've used both. Okay, yeah, cool. Um, now, the lance is so strange, because you're s- it's so heavy and so slow. And yeah. You need to do everything about four seconds before you want to... <laughs> which, for dodging, is hilarious, because... Yeah, anyway. um, But, sorry, there's, there's the... I forget the name of it now, but um, an enormous blue spiny bear, like a big icy porcupine. And uh, I'm fighting it in this. Is that a rabbit? I killed oh, one no, of them. No, that's a... Yeah, that was amazing. With they're, they're great fun. Spilling rabbits. Digging claw, their claws into the ice and spinning around. Yeah. You no, would, You would have fought the bear. I can't remember his name, but he's got sort
1: of weird shit in his armour and you find him like feasting on honey when you first oh, yeah, one of them. Right, oh, yeah, yeah. So, But it's like that, but a ice one. There's, yeah. there's
0: Monster right uh, 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 I forget what it's called. The advanced state where you fight one of them and...
1: But all the monsters
0: are harder in this later frame. Anyway, I'm facing this thing and, and it's running towards me. I'm like, okay, let's do this. I've killed the thousand of you guys, let's do it. I'm, I'm clocking, in, I'm punching into work. As he gets closer, I realize, fuck, is he? Is he bigger than, than all the bam and he bats me across the battlefield? And the thing is, in Monster Hunter, there is a random chance anytime you go into a mission that you will fight a king version of that animal. And you don't know it. The only way you can tell is if you've played the game enough, the character model is about 115% larger. And actually, an interesting thing about the AI of Monster Hunter, as you fight these monsters over and over again, there are slight tweaks in the AI. And sometimes you'll fight... Uh, Ludroth, the Royal Ludroth, that's just a bit fucking meaner than, than other Ludroths, or is a bit smaller or a bit more timid. I find it funny with that, because in the description for the Royal Ludroth, which is basically, it's like a Gyarados, really. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> um, for those of you who played the game, Pokemons. <laughs> um, but it, it's supposed to be really, it says like, oh, it's... it's Not as dangerous on land. It's fucking well dangerous on land. (laughs) It just like rolls about and flails. It's like, it is like a demented toddler. It's just annoying in Waltham. You have to chase him. Yeah, I mean, that's on land. He's a fucker. I think I really don't like the underwater stuff. I think that's mainly playing on 3DS. It's just like, ah, don't make me do 3D. (laughs) It's fine. It's bad everywhere. Don't worry. It's (laughs) just not the I don't think it's in Monster Hunter Hunter 4. I think they've gotten rid of it Yeah, Yeah, because it's Monster Hunter 4. Then you think it's climbing. Uh, Oh, so. It's like
1: they've got Dragon's Dogma climbing. It's going to be the the best thing. Ooh, and can hang on to the bags of pick up um, old
0: ladies and throw them off cliffs. If if they're in the village, why hey, not? I just want a quick shout out to all of you guys out there who are picking up old ladies and throwing them off cliffs. Because I've had like about <laughs> eight people <laughs> in the past week who've been like, I bought Dragon's Dogma based nice. on the chat we had last time. So yeah, <laughs> throw an old lady off a cliff for us. But not in real life. Don't do that. <laughs> in real life. Anyway, you were going to talk about it last time. You couldn't. But um, can you now tell us about?
1: Mario Kart?
0: Yes! Tell us about Mario Kart! It's bloody brilliant! Um, I'm not a huge... I've heard that! Not,
1: f- I've heard this for so long, yeah. but no one's been able to publicly say it because of Embargo. Yeah, but so now, preview mode uh, is over. Okay. Well, pre- this is now, we are in preview uh, preview window, so I can talk about what's in it and why it's called by comic judgement. Okay. So, okay. Okay. what I've played is I bloody it's brilliant! brilliant. <laughs> and <then> it <laughs> is That's out. So I have played 16 tracks, uh, eight of the new ones, eight of the retro ones. The the cool thing with it, I'm I'm not like a huge Mario Kart guy. I never have been. I've been like, oh, it's such a fun thing to play. This is the first time where I've been like, oh my god, I want to know every line right. in this game right. because every um, racing the, line yeah I wanna I, I wanna like get in I wanna just polygons. be I've learned better the script or oh yeah no I wanna know everything Mario says to Peach in <laughs> the pit stops um, it's got this the coolest thing about it is the anti-gravity feature when you first when you first play it you're like I really get it like I flip upside down but the camera's fixed so it all makes almost no difference like it's just it's nice like the scenery looks cool and it's like it's an amazing looking game like so it's you. Astounding. So the camera actually rotates 180 degrees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you 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 move with it unless you're on a wall. At which point it kind and of and you float campsite. upside down. Yeah. So presumably you can avoid what's on the ground. Uh, well, if there's two routes, yes. But a lot of the time, just the track is upside down, just because it looks cool. And you're like, well, okay, I kind, of, I I see, but it's it's not much. But then when you start playing with specifically in four player, um, it changes for the first time ever. It changes how everyone races. Um, because when you're in anti-gravity, running into someone gives you a boost. So the point being, as soon as it's in anti-grav mode, you want to be in a pack. Usually you'd be like, I'm staying the fuck away from Bowser because he's bigger than everyone else. He's going to knock me and, you know, his weight trumps my weight. Way for six. Exactly, I fall right off the edge and Lakitu's slow. Ugh. This time Lakitu's fast for a start, which is good. Um, but also, <laughs> um, but, but now you see like... Four people going on what appears to be the the slower route, and you're like, "I'm going to go to them because I can knock into all four of them and get four boosts and be ahead of everyone else." But wouldn't why wouldn't they get the boost as well? Well, I think they do. But the point is, as soon as everyone starts doing it, it's like who can knock into the most people whilst they don't knock into everyone else. So
0: basically, when you're in anti gravity mode, is it because I've got this vision in my mind of um, uh, Have you guys played Gunstar Heroes? Yeah. You know that level in the mines when you can basically like where you jump flip between the you can and the flip floor. between the ceiling and the floor. Or, tap the button repeatedly. So but if you yeah, but it if it you down. keep tapping it, then it means you like you end up just floating in the middle without actually landing on either side. Is it like that of being like a swap, but you can no cancel the swap. You don't or? choose like most of the time you you're forced
1: to be in anti gravity mode for a section of the track just for what appears to be spectacle. Um, so for instance, there's a really cool track called Shire Guy Falls where you go up. <sighs> One, yeah, I've heard this. Up one waterfall with boost pads falling down it, which is, just looks amazing and all water flying on the camera and stuff. And then you go up around a track and then go down a parallel waterfall and like flow, fly over a valley and it's like, that was a really like spectacular moment. It was a moment. beautiful moment. It's a wonderful <laughs> moment. I'll remember it to the end of my days. Uh, but in the, at the same time, as soon as you understand that you kind of want, if you're ahead at that point, you'll want to speed ahead of other people because they'll be trying to run into you. If you're behind, you suddenly go, there are three people on that waterfall. If I can catch all of them, and they only catch me, then I get, th- you know, two more boosts than any of them, and just fly so up around So it's about it.
0: seeing people coming, whether they're behind you or in front of you, and being able to bounce into There's them. A, so it's a, it's a way more visual and sort of reactive game than it ever has right, been Right, because before. fundamentally racing is really antisocial, because exactly. you're trying to put as much distance, you're literally putting as much distance between yourself and your friends as you can. Exactly. Whereas right. this is encouraging you and your friends to essentially do bumper cars. Yeah, it's great, and it, yeah, exactly, it's
1: got that dodge feel, but like, you know dodgems with an advantage to smashing into each other without getting whiplash. And it's got this, it's it's just got this sort of, I think I'm stealing this from uh, Matthew Castle, but essentially what he said is it's the first time it feels like um, the race is out of the control of the track itself. It's the feeling that suddenly everyone racing has a stake in how that race is going to play out, as opposed to them just knowing the best
0: way around. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, a lot of people, there's always two. Like science to Mario Kart, some people being like, oh Mario Kart, who gives a shit, and other people being like, Mario Kart, you can't say Mario Kart's bad, but I'm sort of in the middle of being like, I've had some of the best like experiences mm. uh, playing Mario Kart, but recently, I mean, the, the Wii uh, game, the Wii Mario Kart, I didn't get on with at all, mm. um, for a whole bunch of reasons, but, I used to love, like, the Game Boy Advance one and the DS one. Like, so good. I used to play them on my own and, like, just get so into them. Well, this is, this be, like, So like, how much you get into Mario Kart is to do with how often you're in a room with people and multiple No, no, but, no, but the thing is that what I'm talking about... Is yeah, no, which is why you can enjoy them single-player is a huge... Thing, yeah, right? and that's the thing. is thing people often just write off them as being like, "Hey, it's multiplayer fun for all the family." And actually it's like, no, when they're done right, they're fucking great well, games. Same as anything Nintendo do, I guess. Like my Nintendo do anything right, it it transcends being family fun, and it's like a really good Pixar film. It's just really good. Yeah, yeah. But
1: I, I, yeah, I'm interested by this. Like I'm, I'm not able to talk much about the single player beyond what I've done in that and multiplayer. It feels really nice. It looks.
0: Like does genuinely it, astounding. Does it right still place. have the ridiculous Mario power up? Uh, Mario Kart power ups of,
1: oh, I'm in
0: last place. I've now spammed an attack at result. Yeah, so things. there is, there is still the you know the which isn't you necessarily a bad thing. stuff. We're yeah. both our eyes, but actually, yeah. I don't know how I'd feel if they removed that. Exactly, well, like, hmm. but they do
1: some weird stuff. So, for instance, the blue shell is now not. Oh, yes, and I, I remember the, the
0: bullshit shell. Yeah, yeah the so one the, that they added in the,
1: the Wii version. Yeah, it was like mm. an exploding blue shell. So that. <laughs> fuck you. That is, <laughs> that is still there, but it's now more of a boon in as much as the person at the back is, you know, the person who most often or only gets it. I'm not sure how how it plays out yeah, in this one. Yeah, yeah, uh, it hits now, everybody, right? No, so it only hit the person in first. So it was just a complete fuck you to the person who'd been doing <laughs>
0: best. You know, like, legitimately, it was just. That person's doing best. Screw them. Well, I remember with the, with the Wii version, the reason I hated it is it became actually more sensible to try and hang back in second. Yeah, the whole game just tailgate the guy, and then oh, oh now right now this is my chance to win. Yeah, just the so really wishing around until the last sixty seconds of the race. It's just no fun for anyone. Then. No, like and know. it's not it's not quite fixed. But what they've what
1: how they've changed it for this one is the person at the back gets it. And it shoots out, and it doesn't fly over everyone else. It sort of skips down the track, and so it can hit. Theoretically, it can hit every other racer on the track. So now it's kind of skewed to going. If you're at the back, here's the best thing you can have to get back into the game. Because it will knock people. Yeah, Yeah. it will still, I think, always hit the person in first, which is a problem. But
0: well, I'm not. But (laughs) if it hits
1: everyone else, it's just it brings that whole sort of. Thing concertinaing back into there's a pack in the middle and then you get an anti section, yeah. section. It's all great again. You're so, <laughs> so, right. I
0: think the problem is, it's like it it felt very much just vindictive. Yeah. It didn't feel like a solution. It felt just like, well, I'm losing, so fuck you. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a solution in the sense that you know, like setting the game on fire would be a. I'll tell you what, this is why <laughs> Micro Machines is the best well, it's the worst, best racing game. I know you mean, because it never loved. Because yeah. every time the racing game would break, it goes, I'll oh, just stop, there. thanks. I'll just move everything back <laughs> and go again. No, oh, it, literally like, it was like, up. as soon as anyone got foot out of the shop. I mean, actually, that was a really smart system in a way. I mean, it was, it was You smart. got so far ahead that now it doesn't feel like it's fun. You've won a point. Carry on. Yeah, my is I like was kinda of hampered by the camera. Mario I guess it's the way they that did system, it system though. I mean it, Mario nothing stops Mario Kart if someone gets in the first place enough they get a point.
1: Well the thing is, and
0: i, I every time I, I say this and, and shout about this, and I do say this and shout about it, usually every time it goes on sale, and I get a response usually of either people going, Yes, yes, fucking too right or looking at me as if I'm some bloke on the street with a sign saying end the end is not real. You know. But um, Sonic um Sonic racing. Wow. For, uh, <laughs> I thought you were no. going to go for like Blur or something. No, well, it's, it's, made, by, by the, it's something made by the Blur guys, but. Bizarre. bizarre. Some of them, yeah, not bizarre, well, some made yeah. by some of them at Sumo. It's not a perfect game. It's right? rubbish. It's not <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> you played it properly. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I reviewed it. I was the only
1: person. Uh, I, I have a. Uh, is this massively.? U- it's probably massively unprofessional.
0: Not going to tell that story. Okay, no. right. <laughs> uh, but I, I really liked it. I mean, it's like, obviously, I knew there was a, there's lots of things bad that are a bit crap. And it's actually. It's one of those weird games that falls into the slot of, like, Fever Pinata of being, like, clearly aimed at kids, and yet actually, like, not a kids' game because it's a lot more complicated and, and tricky than it looks. And it's like, I, I first thought, this is alright. What was uh, it on? It's on everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was out now. It was no. out, uh, what was
1: it? Like? Probably about a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah, it was just after I started at O&M you were yeah. reviewing it, I was reviewing it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I kind of... Uh, I was
0: like Romeo and Juliet. It was wonderful. <laughs> I can't remember. I didn't remember. I didn't re- Did I review it? I don't remember reviewing well, it. You <laughs> certainly played it. I reviewed a ton of stuff I can't remember mm. half the shit. But, uh, but it's just the fact that it ends up being this... Yeah, and it reminds me of what we're talking about, of having that, that kind of more dynamic element of different things you can do in the track that mm. make it... I love the way that you'd be able to just constantly do things like drifting but then also like doing stunts in the air and building up and it became this thing of being like you realised after a while if you got really good at it you would be constantly boosting through a variety of things that you could do and it was just I don't know it was like it was quite an ugly game I didn't like the art direction that much and I thought that it could have been a lot better but in that kind of zone of being like well there's no Mario Kart on the horizon for a long time and actually it's always on sale on Steam for like three pounds. Oh it's it's like a tenner on Wii U now like and nothing goes on sale on Wii U because they don't sell anything. But I, Uh, I don't know and obviously you didn't get on with it but I thought it was really good and it took me a few hours to click with it. It took me a few hours to go from being like this is all right I suppose and then suddenly I think the moment where it clicked for me was the fact that I realized that the stunts you can do, it gives you a variety of different stunts you can do and if you land that stunt cleanly you get a boost but it kind of felt like that bollocks video game thing of being like all the stunts are the same, Does it doesn't really matter, like do you want to do a roll, do you want to do a spin Oh, so you can do different stunts for different kinds of boosts? No, but then But you land them and stuff, right? Yeah. So it's like the the time it takes to do it Yeah, like mm-hmm. on certain types of like jumps a backflip would make more sense because because it would give you slightly more air or something, and but then it would be slower, and I don't know. But the thing that made me realize it was genius was the fact that I realized in some courses there was like there were separate boosts on the ground that you could hit, but it was like impossible to take the jump at that angle. And I was like, how do you get there? And then I realized that when you were doing the barrel rolls, you it physically months, moved you about like half an inch, like it physically moved you a couple of feet, like that direction, so what you do is you jump into the air and then you barrel, 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 and then you physically end up like fur, way further to the right than than you would have done originally. And then it,
1: yeah, it was one of those kind of really... So it's sort essentially of a
0: kind of mini game into being airborne. Yeah, I mean I really liked it because of the fact that the kind of, the thing that was bollocks about it was what they've done is they've basically taken all of the power-ups from Blur, and then just sort of put a faintly cutesy point to the say they were awful. They were shiny. So the bad. ideas of the power-ups were fine. Mm.
1: Some were like uh, I don't know. I mean, it's been a did, while since I played it, so I can't point to any. It just felt it felt like the power-ups were this. It felt like they put them on top of quite a good. It felt like they lost confidence in a racing game that they'd made basically, and mm. went cart eh, game. Better do it. I know. And like <laughs> Blur never made you feel like the power-ups were the thing. It made no, you feel yeah. like you're skillful, and this one made you feel like use these though because it's cart game and we're on you know. But even
0: so, ride. like I mean, I know what you mean. I think they had to do that because they were making a cart racer, mm. right? But I mean, even then, it's the fact that they basically copied so much of the stuff from Blur with Power Ups, which I thought was smart. Like the way that now I think it was Bees was the ultimate thing you could get. Yeah, Bees, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's exactly the same as the Pillars of Light from Blur, which were admittedly a lot cooler. It being like you'd send off these bees or wasps, more likely wasps, isn't it, to be honest? Um, and then they'd create this thing in front of the person in first that was really difficult mm-hmm. to evade. So, I mean, if they were really good, they'd be able to evade it, but at the very least, they would have to slow down. Like, I mean, Which know, is actually better than the blue shell thing. Absolutely, and that's the thing, Is it was better in blow, and the lightning
1: was better. The thing about the blue shell thing is,
0: this is honestly not something I know,
1: <laughs> but it is a rumour. Um, that there, there's there been a couple of items shown that you can't use in the preview build we've played uh, from trailers and stuff there is what could be perceived to be a blue shell reflector which, <laughs> which is really interesting in as much, or well, not a reflector, like a shield of some kind, uh, it appears to be some sort of like, big horn that I, I guess would like blow stuff back so the idea being if you're confident this is all conjecture, but if you're confident whether you're gonna be in first, you just hold this item for the entire race. You don't give yourself any of the power ups that everyone else smart, on the smart on the track is getting. I hope that's in it, because that's that's a really cool like, you know, fun risk reward thing that Mario Kart just doesn't do
0: usually. You know, everyone but, about, oh, everyone no, everyone talks about blur and how it's like a tragedy that, you know, that that's the game that didn't sell. But Project Arthur is is my favourite of Bizarre I was racing games, and that solution for person in first normally not caring Of course, the the kudos system where you if you touch the side of the of, of the course, that's that's the worst thing in the world. You've scratched your car, <laughs> fuck, and you, lo- you your whole combo is lost and all that stuff. So even if you're in first, it doesn't mean you're any more likely to be caught up by everyone else. So what it does mean is you never stop being scared. Like you can be you can be lapping people and shitting yourself because if you hit their car, then you get scratched in because what's the point of... I don't it, I mean, Blur was massively... Uh, like, I, I actually I was mm-hmm. working on uh, the PR side of things when, uh, when Blur was... I was actually working on Blur, the two games... Uh, <laughs> that was the point at which I realised I didn't want to work in PR anymore, was uh, I, I got to choose which two games I wanted to work on because I was the person who really cared about games, and I chose uh, Blur and Singularity, and uh, two games which I thought were great games that died on their arse. Um, and I kind of thought, I don't want to watch this happen again. <laughs> um, but anyway... Um, I think it was the difficult thing about Blow was the fact that they didn't know how to communicate it. They were they were like it looked like a kind of traditional racing game with all the real cars and but then it's like it actually played like Mario Kart mm. but they, they kind of they couldn't work out who to market it at and It was a very strange prospect. It was but me. the thing was the thing that's saddest about that is actually I didn't even realise despite working on the game and knowing it really well. What the best thing about that game was it was my brother who discovered it because I gave him like I had a promo copy mm. that I had and I didn't want because I played it him, and so I gave it to him and um, he was like this game is amazing if you go to the option settings and put rubber banding on full and put power ups on random and then play it full player split screen and it was a thing of being like yeah like, it was all about that online matchmaking online multiplayer mm. and actually but if you played it like Mario Kart and went through and tweaked the settings What's to make banding? it Rubber banding basically means it's like easier to catch up. Oh, okay, so. Right. So it means yeah. that if you're first like you know, you can, you know, it keeps the pack t- together. But apparently, it was just an amazing part you know? I played it a bit in that mode, and he was right. It was just like this is badass. But I wonder how many people even did that because I played a bit online and it was fun. But yeah, it's a shame. It was a, it was a weird game. It was weird it got out far. I'm kind of gutted that they were clearly working on Blair Two when he got the studio killed, and that could have been awesome. Anyway, let's um, jump to some questions. Uh, I'm going to skip that one because we could talk about that for way too long. Um, um, this is an easy one, it should be. Uh, what's your favourite game that you've picked up without knowing anything about it before buying it? I guess that's something we used to do when we were kids. A lot. That's along. been a long time, oh, man. My, my whole when I had a, a, a PS two that may or may not have been entirely legal. My favorite <laughs> thing in the world was to download torrents of Japanese games with my super limited knowledge of Japanese. PS two was great for that. Yeah. PS two and PSX. Just the Sony lowered the cost. The install base was so high, and Sony lowered the cost of making games so much that people could just print a DVD and put their bullshit game on it and you download it if you've got a PS2 which isn't illegal which isn't legal and you have no idea what you're getting and I played glorious shit Ori no Ruori is my answer to this which, is, which translates as uh, my man cooking and all it was was a competitive cooking game where every time you got combos of food and send it off, so you've chopped the vegetables and you've stewed it, and you send it off in a big stew, if you send off three of them at the same time, something horrible happens in your opponent's restaurant. Like, they get mugged, and suddenly you have to wiggle the analog sticks to chase the robber down the streets. But the game the game was amazing, and it was it was so depressing to me seeing Cooking Mama, and um, I love cooks so Delicious, but even that game can't hold the torch to Ori Nobu Rory, which well, never got a Western release. Even with a similar thing, I remember uh, when I used to live with uh, Sean Bell from Midnight you know, Resistance now, like, and he had uh, Raw Danger. <laughs> oh. And it was like, he'd acquired that in a similar fashion at the time. Um, and just watching them play that, it was just like, this kid fucking mental and actually quite good as well yeah these there were so many games that never got to western release that were wacky but, but also very good, actually, so yeah. polished and well made it was a golden age for people who like weird bullshit like me yeah as <laughs> things I miss that weird bullshit that huh? was the same everybody talks about some um, earth defense force and how oh it's wacky earth defense force was part of a series um, yeah actually global defense force on Glo- the playstation was better because you had jetpacks and lasers yeah and uh, <laughs> the first earth defense force I think on ps2's first mission of if you don't know anything about it, it's even funnier because you start off on, um, uh, on, West, on a bridge in London looking at Big Ben. Yeah. And you have no idea what's about to happen. And then huge ants crawl out at you from every direction and you have to start killing them. That's weird. Yeah. I kind of. People still embrace that series, but I think they're just. I don't know. I haven't played a recent one, but. It felt like the last one they played just felt like way too trying to be quirky whilst just being a shit Western. Yeah, being. it was. It's hard. And, but that is the one example of total B movie PS2 wackiness that actually made it survive over to the west. I still keep it. Actually, it's funny. I'm, I'm as um, those of you watch my update videos, I'm in the process of moving house, and I've actually like I've just recycled all of my gem cases for like every <laughs> Xbox 360 game I own throwing away a lot of plastic boxes and put them on the cd wallet but i haven't with my ps2 games well they feel like artifacts right? yeah they do mm. but also it's the fact that they're like I've, the ps2 games i've got are quite a small collection and some of them are a bit shit but a lot of them are like i've got like stuff like gregory horror show that are just like these really <laughs> weird games that i love and i don't I have an attachment to them that i never really quite formed with anything modern but um i think my game that i bought without knowing anything about it was um to, which I bought purely because of the box that had a cool picture of a
1: That's what I of did. With my one, yeah. Which was a PSX game called Warzone Twenty One Hundred. Oh yeah, yeah, a, yeah, that's on right. Yeah, and you like made all the tanks. You could like build yeah. the tanks out of lots of pieces, and it just like blew my mind because yeah. I bought it because it just had a like angry red cover, and I was you, like, like well, I'm you
0: control done. the units. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The I think yeah, 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 like, it, 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 was, it was like rather But you controlled your own dudes. Yeah. I, think I mean, no, now, not like, controller. your own. You built your own and designed your own. There was yeah. another one, I think, where you could actually go in first person so you could build You could build a tank and then control the tank. And, like, I feel around. like that may
1: have been a feature in it. Like, it's one... That's the thing, is, like, I remember loving it so much that I went in and told everyone at school, like, yeah, fucking, like, tanks you build, I put a turret on top, it's amazing! And then no one bought it and it just died. Because I had no <laughs> one to talk about it with, so I was just like, oh, I don't know. And that, so I remember it's like this kind of haze of wonder and then it's just gone
0: like but yeah pure cover art lying. it just reminded me i think my, the first time i realized the first time i was like savvy enough to realize that i was making a social faux pas <laughs> uh was me walking to school with a friend of mine i can't remember who it was walking to school I must have been year eight year nine and talking about how cool red alert was all the way to the, <laughs> to the point that i realized like towards the end i was like oh um you don't want to hear this, I'm boring boring you. (laughs) That was the first time I'd ever really had that conscious thought of being like, the person I'm talking to... Is not saying anything. I'm a dog. They Don't want to hear me talk about how fucking awesome it is when the dogs rip people's throats out, wing, <laughs> and then you blow up the barrels and everything's and There's a But but um, yeah, it's, it's no surprise I ended up doing what I'm doing. I was <laughs> I was looking for the link to, the, to make that joke, but uh, but no, you got there. Yeah, you sort of neutralised that bomb before. Uh, I, it's not a surprise. It's sort of like my parents always said, great up, at games," and I, I don't think I ever will. Oh god, can I just say thank you to the Darth Souls reader who um, a couple of podcasts ago I mentioned how there's no bomb disarming games and, uh, and that sent me on, a, on an exploration thing with his help that led me looking at an amazing game jam game of people wearing an oculus rift and trying to disarm a bomb while their friends all have the bomb manuals in front of them <laughs> so you're wearing the oculus rift going okay it's got, it's got wires and the, the youtube video is so fucking funny because they're all going give us the serial number dude come on because you've got a timer and everything close up in two minutes and then they'll say, okay, I've got the serial number, here's the serial number, here's a keypad. And they go, press a one, they done. Press the zero, there's no zero. And they're looking through the manuals going, what, there has to be a zero? What are you disarming? It was beautiful. I that love amazing. That, that Oculus Rift thing of um,
1: this sort of influx of uh, essentially games, that are nightmare. You know, the, yeah. like one person
0: who can't see what everyone the else the stuff can. that excites us most about Oculus Rift is all to do with one person wearing it, yeah, it and the rest of you just, just doing other shit around have it. Have either
1: of you played um, Tomb, which is like a sort of super quick game put together by Spilt Milk Studios, which is no. the first game I ever played on Oculus Rift, and it's essentially... Uh, oh yeah one, yeah, one person has a map, right? One, well, Two people have a map, each with one monster on them, and one person's in the, the tomb. In the tomb. <laughs> trying to escape both monsters for as long as possible, but they've got two people shouting where their monsters are, and so they're like, turn right, and the other person's like, I'm fucking, it's a Minotaur! You know, like, and it's great, like, it's a, it's just like this terrifying experience, yeah. and, and being in it, just in this super, you know,
0: nothing to it it's like, kind of I find it bizarre <laughs> that it's that it's not being made by Nintendo because it just, it just feels like that, that that like when it comes out it feels like the main thing that's going to make it really work is that it's, you're not going to be able to afford like four people so you can all go on a boat adventure <laughs> with a family of all looking at monkeys I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean Like it's going to be that whole thing if you've got one so we need to work out how we can make it fun Yeah, for, um, mm. although to do one. The problem is that Nintendo have not taken a financial risk for quite some time, and that's their strategy, and that's okay. But it sure as hell means they're not going to be spending money on a £400 VR no, They're not going to be, not not be <laughs> doing that. That's fair enough, though. Um, James E. Marshall asks, Marty O'Donnell, Bungie, he says, Begin intense speculation now. You know what? I've watched this <laughs> unfold today. Obviously, Marty O'Donnell has been with Bungie for like a long time, and he's basically been... Like fired today. It seemed like he, it seemed like Bungie said it's been great working with him, but it's sad that our time is ending. But it's ending. But he sort of said he was let go without any. Well, we should. After a lot of the time when this kind of thing happens, a day later the person comes back and says, "Oh no, I'm sorry. I was got confused. Everyone, I didn't mean to express that I was fired." I don't. Yeah, I mean that may be, but I mean. He clearly was. I mean, he wouldn't. The way he put it was like, <laughs> oh, okay. "Yeah, like he was let go." But the thing is, everyone's kicked off, and they're going, "Fuck Bungie! Fuck Bungie! How could you do this?" But it's like, oh, I, I find bizarre that, like, hey he's a composer, right? Mm. He's been like fully employed for like by one company for years. How oh, does that happen? Like, David
1: I, Wise is freelance.
0: Yeah, and he's done everything. Like, <laughs> like fucking like that's not how compo- com- that's not how it works like usually like, they go do you want to be the composer of this game they do the job They do it. it's like what's he doing in between is he doing like concept composing hey <laughs> like, guys I just made the tune what well, are we going to do it Don't know, just, like, just imagine do if it. it
1: came out that it's like Hans Zimmer had been personally employed by Christopher Nolan for years he was just yeah. like yeah and I've been let go
0: by, yeah. by the Nolan brothers. I can't believe the Nolan brothers fired <laughs> <His> me. <name. laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's odd, but at the same time, it's like it's just I find it very silly that everyone's just immediately gone. Oh, um, like oh, I can't believe, can't believe they fired him. Like, people don't get fired for no reason. It sounds like, to me like gamers being angry because gamers, you know, the the guy's a good composer, but we've got an awful lot of those working in the industry. Well, it's, it's not even that. It's the fact that you kind of like, you know, the guy's a, he's a great composer. He's a really funny guy. Oh, I wasn't aware he had a cult personality type thing. Or yeah, anything. no, he's really. I mean, I've, I've seen him. I've seen him speaking when I was at Halo Fest, which was the most. Confusing. Halo Fest. Yeah, I went to Halo Fest. Uh, How was, many
1: Halo Fests
0: were there? Uh, there was one. Interesting. <laughs> uh, and I've been to it. I was there. I was there. You were there, man. <laughs> you don't understand. Larry, where were you when Halo Fest? Got that's, out. Like,
1: that's like being at the first Glastonbury if Glastonbury never happened again. It was, <laughs> it was me. There was this dude with a weird chin strap beard. It was kind
0: of crazy. And we. It left. was basically. I mean, like, it's obvious what happened now. But it was in the run up to Halo Four, and it was basically uh, Microsoft fired out a place like. Next to PAX, and it was sort of sort of conjoined in an area, and it was Halo Fest as part of PAX East, and it was basically them just being like, "We, you don't, you really don't like the fact that Bungie aren't making this game, so they really wanted to have a show of faith of um of being like, you know, it's going to be all right, and it all will be an okay game." So they did this as Halo Fest, so you can all the fans, they got all the hardest, but biggest fans to come down into this one place. And I, because I was sent by OXN to cover it, and it was me and Moin Gaston, um, and l- it was insane. I mean, we we literally we didn't we didn't fuck around because we didn't have a PR out with us, so we had the opportunity to just fuck around. We didn't. We were there. I we sat through about thirty hours worth of seminars, and wow. uh, within three or four days, we spent so much time listening to people talking about talking about Halo. It was ridiculous. See, when you say Halo Fest, I expect like you know Fiesta, not <laughs> not, not seminars about like, panels and, and like it was. Was there a dance for Halo party? No, I mean there was a little party on the night when they cause they announced that they were going to be like you could get the Warthog from Halo uh, was going to be in Fort Motorsport Sport. Four, oh, I think, at the time it was. This was a long time ago, so they had announcements on the ship, but it was just hilarious because it was this thing of like having people from Bungie and having people from Three One One on the panels, and it was just hilarious. Like I can't remember the guy. I think it was Dan Ayud, Dan Ayud from uh, from from either Microsoft or whatever. It was hilarious. He was just this incredible robot. I watched him give the same. <laughs> uh, I watched him give the same presentation for Halo Collector's um, K- Edition or what Anniversary edition. Mm. I watched him give the same demo of that
1: three <laughs> times
0: in three days, because we were just... He, it would be like, you go to a panel, and it's like, Hey, before we do this panel, I just want to show you guys something cool. It's a world exclusive. you're like, oh, you're going to do it again? <laughs> 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 and he, he hit, like, he, he went through the game, and he made the same jokes, same, like, cicadons, Same beats. Same yeah. cadence of voice. It was insane. It was like, you're incredible, but also a robot, in the fact that you are... You you've done this hundreds of times and yet every time you do it you give the impression of it all being off the cuff jokes. He's mm. quite good at it, but it was like, oh my god, what's wrong with you, dude? That you can do that that well. And there was a hilarious thing with the panel afterwards. Whenever anyone asked a question, it was, whenever he was on a panel, it'd be the thing of people going, everyone would look at each other and go, I don't know, maybe that's one for Dan. <laughs> because there's this thing of like, you can tell he had this like really ominous like. You're not allowed to say these things. So <laughs> as soon as he wasn't on panels, they were all just like having fun chatting. You know, not saying anything bad, but being like, you know, oh, but whenever he was there, it was like, um, Dan, maybe maybe you should answer that. <laughs> it was fascinating to be there, but um, yeah, sadly there hasn't been another Halo Fest since, and uh, I'd love to go again and expand what I know about that Halo universe. Halo Fest 2015, roll right on. But uh, yeah, I might we thought I don't know. It'd be fun. I mean, you might, the thing is, it, people, hero worship within the gaming industry. We've, we've always seen this with like people being like, uh, attributing the entire work of studios to one person, Yeah, you forget that often like yeah, their studios and their things make great work, they're really charismatic on camera. But I've met people who, who make great work and are really charismatic on camera and behind closed doors they're fucking assholes. <laughs> so god knows what Mike McDonald, he's probably put his knob in the yoghurt I think. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, um, as we go for the final question, let's go for this one. Well, this is a two-parter. Two two- One tweet couldn't handle this question. This is by Purple aka okay, Man Puncher. Man Puncher. I'll, I'll get you into the, uh, the mood. You are on a toilet with your handheld game console of choice. That's never a good way to begin a sentence. What's your handheld game console of choice? 3DS, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Champions console. Might <laughs> not be on the iPad now. I think my meme Ooh. might be, if I'm going to talk all time, it's either going to be a GBA Micro or a DS Lite but anyway uh, alternative oh, right. I, I didn't realise we could go back mine's of course you can you can do what you want game gear mine <laughs> don't be a dick <laughs> game gear your toilet is very close
1: to a power outlet well I'm unsafe in the toilet <laughs> <laughs> I've got three extension leads. <laughs> yeah. your, pockets, your pockets it's, your it's pockets. that image of a
0: toaster <laughs> in the bath right it's yeah. a game gear hovering perilously above the toilet water <laughs> <laughs> your pockets are brimming with double A badger to the north <laughs> to your north is a ladder yeah. Um suddenly so this is, we're all on toilet with consoles. Suddenly, the chilling realisation that you have no toilet paper. Which game, or games in brackets, do you clean yourself with? And oh, share? shit, I'm fucked because I chose the iPad. <laughs> oh, sure. See, buttons. that's the thing. If it's, if it's 3DS, yes.
1: like... I only download games on that thing. Like, just have, I'm gonna get out the top screen, because it's got that sort of, like I've got a smaller one, it's got like a, a ridge around the edge, so I think that would scrape
0: quite oh, well. it would Jesus really, It would really Christ. do the job. Quite well, well. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try and take it away from that by, by reminding myself <laughs> of the fact that when I've got, I've got 3DS, let's just say I've got my 3DS, and I was given a time, I thought it was an act of kindness, um, but somebody, uh, when I worked in future, gifted me. Here you go. I have this, a copy of Ridge Racer on the 3DS, which was on the launch titles. And I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? Really? I can have this? Thank you so much. Piece <laughs> of fucking shit. So I'd my ass with that
1: quite happily. o Silver Award, so... <laughs> before my before my time. Before your time, yeah, absolutely. I think I reviewed some stuff around here before your time. Anyway. Wait, what are you going to do with your iPad? Oh. Say you could virtually print out a game. That you would wipe
0: yourself. Well, I tell you what, we've mentioned um, what, what's it called, endless space. I think. Oh, one. out there, out there. You wipe yourself out there. Out there is a game that has willingly brutalised me, mm. so it would be my opportunity to get my own back I on the know. concept of space. And how often does that fucking happen? Thank you for giving me the ability to print out a concept, and now well, we'll go with it. Actually. See what I've achieved. Quentin <laughs> wiping his ass with the infinity space the yawning void would in more ways than one if we're honest that would probably sort of suck me in in a black hole type situation on contact well yeah. we ended last week's uh, podcast with people talking about um, sucking things off so now we're going to end it with sucking things in that's been Dark Souls podcast number five, five. that's more than a month and I've been joined by Quintus Smith. Hello! <laughs> uh, no. I got caught off guard. <laughs> yeah, I've done that more times than I learned to have as well. This won't be a ghost cast, we don't need to do it again. And Joe Scrubbles. Goodbye. Goodbye.